Welcome everyone <coughs> to our week, our daily meditation session. Please sit in the chair, it's fine. Oh no, don't worry about it. Sit comfortably. Tonight we have, this is our largest audience yet, I think. There's seven of us here and we've got We've got five people watching from the internet on our live broadcast. So tonight is the English session. I've been I missed most of the Thai sessions lately, <coughs> um, but we'll try to get we'll try to get up so that we're here every day. Tonight I wanted to talk about um, dealing with the truth because Buddhism deals specifically with the truth. I'm just going to talk here. You're welcome to close your eyes and meditate. Normally when I talk I close my eyes. I'm not trying to be entertaining. I'm trying to be meditative. So even when I, while I talk I'll try to uh, stay in touch with the meditation practice. When you listen, you should also try to stay in touch with the meditation practice. Use it as an opportunity to practice yourself. So Buddhism deals specifically with the truth. It's a very, it's the core um, issue in Buddhism is the realization of the truth or the realization of specific truths in, in, in brief the realization of the truth of reality or coming to understand the truth about reality as it is and by reality we're talking here not about theoretical reality or, or the reality of the physicists, the reality of philosophers. We're talking about experiential reality, the reality which you can experience. Some people call it subjective reality. <coughs> but actually in Buddhism we're not dealing with subjective reality and we deny the claim that first-person uh, experience of reality is necessarily subjective. Subjective here meaning um, particularly in, um, different for everyone or unscientific. Because in a sense, reality for us is subjective. It, we are the subject, or there is a subject, and that's the mind. As opposed to looking at things objectively, in terms of of of, of the object, or or in terms of a third person perspective. But it's not subjective in the sense that my reality is not different from your reality. This is the truth that we're going that we try to come to realize. It's an objective truth about subjective reality. 
So a scientist would, would look at meditation and say, you can't get truth from that. It's, it's subjective. You know, how do you know you're seeing the things you see? How do you know you're hearing the things you hear? How do you know it's real? It's subjective. There's no way of telling whether it's real or not. And that's the kind of, this is the kind of reality, that the rea kind of reality they're talking about is not the reality we're talking about. When we talk about reality in Buddhism, we're talking about experience. And in that we, we claim that my experience is the same as your experience. Because no matter what you see, you still see. No matter what I see, it's still seeing. And my seeing and your seeing is the same in the sense that it's both seeing. Meaning there, there are some essential building blocks of experience which are common to all beings, the experience of all beings. When we break experience down into those building blocks, then we have an objective understanding of, reali of experiential reality. This is what we mean by reality. So what, are the, what is the truth that we're trying to realize? Well, there's a lot of truth that can come from, from experiential reality. There are many truths that we're um, going to realize in the course of the practice. But in particular, we're focusing on those truths that are going to free our mind. Those truths that... that are going to allow us to react appropriately to reality. We're not interested in, in what, is the, what is it like to taste ice cream or what is it like to, to see a supernova or what is it like to, to, to hear um, an angel or so on or, or any mystical or magical experience which is very much a part of reality. We're focusing on those truths that are, are particularly useful and have to do with the, the building blocks of experience, have to do with our interaction with the world around us. Because our, our experience of reality is not always pleasant. We, we want to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. And, uh, and yet among the many, many people who wish to be happy, most of us are, are less than 50% happy, less than, happy less than 50% of the time, which means we're losing. We're, our, our reality is contrary to our wishes. So, in brief, something's wrong. You can never say this is a proper state of being where we want to be happy and yet we're happy less than 50% of the time. Some people live most of their lives unhappy. 
even just sitting here, you can see that your experience of reality is not entirely pleasant. Maybe it's too hot, maybe it's too cold. Maybe your head hurts, maybe your back hurts, maybe your legs hurt. Maybe you're itching and scratching. Maybe you're thinking about unpleasant things. Maybe you don't like what I'm saying or up in the air philosophical doctrine or theory. We're talking about the building blocks of our experience. You're hot. Well, heat is a building block. Heat is reality. It's really hot. How do you feel about the heat? You don't like it? Well, disliking is part of reality. It's part of your reality. That's your reaction to the heat, or the cold, or the itching, or the pain. In the meditation, we're, we're going to see these things clearer than we... We're going to see the way reality works clearer than before, in a way that we couldn't see it before. Normally, when, it's, when there's pain in the body, for example, right away we don't like it. Right away we've made up our mind, it's bad. And not only that, we immediately take action, without even thinking without even really looking at it and, and examining it to see what is this pain? Is it really bad? What's bad about it? And it can get to the point where even just hearing a simple sound, once we get an, a, a hatred or a, a dislike for a phenomenon, we become so rea we can become reactionary towards it. Even just hearing someone's voice, when we get it in our minds that this person is unwelcome or unappreciated, is an unpleasant person, as soon as we hear the voice, there's nothing wrong with the voice. It's a sound that arises in the ear. We right away get angry. We've, we've already made up our mind and, and we're ready to block them out or do whatever we can to not have to hear the sound. This is our ordinary <coughs> experience of reality. The, the truth of reality that we're trying to realize cut to the chase to, to, to do your work for you so you don't have to practice. I give you the answer. The answer is there's nothing good or bad about reality. The realization that we gain from meditation is that th there's no positive or negative experience whatsoever. It's our reaction to things based on an, an accumulated preference and um, habit uh, of 
addiction of needing things to be a certain way of compartmentalizing reality of thinking that somehow these things are going to make us happy somehow we're going to arrange our lives so that everything that we like is going to come to us and everything we don't like is going to stay away from us we compartmentalize reality we build up these false characterizations judgments <coughs> of of innocent experience and it's to the point that we, we've stopped looking we've stopped examining we, we've stopped appreciating reality for what it is we already know the answer pain bad okay run change position go see a doctor get rid of it And when we look at it, when we look at the pain, we see that it's, it's totally not what we thought. It's something completely different from what we thought of it. When we look at it, we watch it and we remind ourselves of what it is. We teach ourselves, okay, you see this? This is pain. Okay, that wasn't so bad. And we look at it again, and pain. We just remind ourselves like this, pain, pain, pain. And as we open up to the experience, we see that there's nothing negative about pain at all. It's one of the most liberating experiences that come in the meditation practice during the time that you're practicing, is the ability to um, conquer the pain you can get to the point where pains that have been haunting you through your whole practice for days and days suddenly vanish suddenly you conquer the pain you, 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 your mind changes your mind shifts and it gives in and, you, know, you keep going back to it you say you know, it's, it's only pain reminding yourself it's only pain it, it, it is what it is it's not bad, it's not good, it's not me, it's not mine, it's not a problem, it's pain. And if you do this enough, your mind shifts and your mind says, oh, it's pain. And it's like you've, you've conquered an enemy. Suddenly there's no fear, there's no, um, you know, there's no anger or upset. Towards that pain, there's, there's a confidence. There's a understanding and a surety. You're, you're, you're certain in your mind. And you're, not, you're not worried about it anymore. The pain comes, let it come. And then it just disappears. Like it was never there in the first place. It's just an, in, as an example. All of our experience is like this. Now, pain is a difficult one because um, you know, it, it's ingrained in our minds that pain means there's a problem. The body is trying to tell us something, we say. 
But there's so much more that we can point out that's in the very same vein. That when we hear things, as I said, we, we can get so angry when children come and they're bothering us. Children can be very annoying sometimes. But there's nothing annoying about the child. It's in our own mind. We get annoyed. We get angry. We don't really hear the sound. Maybe we're busy with something else. And so we've compartmentalized reality. This sound is, is bad. This work that I'm focusing on is good. And you can only accept part of reality. The part that you can't accept, you have to stop. You have to block. You have to shout at the child or hit it or so on. And we work this way. One of the interesting things people often, we, we have this adage, this um, idiom about pain, about truth, sorry. And we say, truth hurts. And it doesn't take much explaining to understand where this comes from. We do believe this, you know, truth hurts. And it's kind of like a necessary evil sometimes to tell people the truth. You know, we say, you know, it would hurt someone if you said, you know, you're fat, by the way, you're fat, or, or you're ugly, or, you know, you're too tall, or, or this or that. I mean, it, it, there's, there's certain truths that we say you would never say to someone. Boy, you're old, or so on. Look at all those wrinkles on your face, or, or whatever. You look very bad in those, with those glasses, or, or, or whatever. It's these truths. That dress, dress looks terrible on you. And sometimes we say telling the truth uh, is painful. But in all of these examples, even these, even the, these, you know, examples that are so taboo. And in fact, it's funny because in Thailand, many of them are not taboo. Um, it's funny how, how cultural culture defines what is right and what is wrong. I mean, in America, if you call someone fat, it's 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 just so, I don't know in America, in Canada, it's, it would be just, uh, a it would be a, a total um, disgrace to call someone fat. But in Thailand, it's not such a big deal. And, and they're often, it, it's kind of funny in that way. And you know, in Thailand, they ask women how old they are. Uh, and you're supposed to tell them how old you are, things like that. So we, we, we build up these, you know, in some cultures it's not wrong to, to, to be large and it, it's not such a big deal or, or at least it's not uh, an, a very negative thing. I, there was a, I had these two, saw these two monks in Thailand and uh, I don't know, I think it was going, kind of going over the edge, but I, I think it was going over the edge and, and especially as a Western it was, it was kind of terrible to listen to, but this one monk, he was, he was making fun of this dark-skinned monk. The one monk had light skin, the other monk had dark skin. And I guess in Thailand it's okay to make fun of people because of their skin color, because, you know, he was, we were up on this mountain and he said, oh, we'll leave you up here and when we come back the, the, the clouds will all be dark. The clouds will all be, be, be dark because your skin color rubbed off on them. 
and just making jokes like this, and I was horrified. But the the point is, you know, in some cases, you know, make, making fun of people, I think, is always wrong. I don't think you should ever go that that way. But the other monk, the, the the other funny thing is, the other monk didn't seem offended by it. And whereas, if you you know said something like that in the West, you might get hit for it. And and so on. If you call someone a buffalo in Thailand, you might get hit. In America, people laugh at it. I think the buffaloes are strong. That's kind of a good thing. The point is that our perceptions cloud reality. We don't see things for what they are. My teacher, he said, if someone ever calls you a buffalo, just turn around and see if you've got a tail. If you don't have a tail, you're not a buffalo. And that's really the that, that that's really sums it all up. And there's no reason to be uh, upset if you know if it's true, it's true. If it's false, it's false. And so even when someone calls you a, a nasty name or, or or points out even a, a real flaw. And you know, we say, "Oh, the truth hurts." You know, sometimes people say, "Look, I, I hate to tell you, but you know," and so on. So we say, "Oh, the truth hurts," but the truth doesn't hurt. And this is one thing I wanted want to stress. And I, it's important to stress, I think, because Buddhism is probably. I have to think about it, but I think Buddhism is one of the most boring religions out there. Buddhism in its essence is, is the ultimate boredom. Uh, it, it's, it's not, but, but that's how it's easily perceived. I mean, there's nothing fancy, there's nothing... The core of Buddhism, now the cultural expression of Buddhism is often very fancy and... and, and flowery and, and magical and mystical. But when you, when you get deeper into it and start talking to monks and start hanging out in monasteries, it's actually, it can be quite dull. You're expected to sit still. You're expected to you know, look at very mundane things. Most of my Thai students would rather be you know, seeing bright lights or angels or ghosts or it's exciting for them, and to them that's, that's Buddhism, but it's not Buddhism. It's not the Buddha's teaching. And many people are turned off by this. It, I, I've had people, you know, right away when they, in, in some of my videos, I think I used the wrong word, or I used a word that's easily taken the wrong word, and that's the word enjoy. Um, because the word enjoy is such a positive thing for us to enjoy something, you know, to enjoy an experience. And so I would say things like, instead of enjoying it. But the problem with, the problem with the word enjoyment is, is it, it means to, it means, it carries a connotation of experiencing something to its fullest. But that's not what the word means, the word means to like something. But we, we give it this connotation of experiencing it to the fullest. So people would say, 
look at you, look at what you're you're telling us to block things out, to avoid things, to not experiencing things, experience things to their fullest. Because this is what the word enjoy means. And so people say that this is this this is dull it's dry and people are so afraid like afraid of things like nirvana i remember when i first heard about it when i first started practicing buddhism that was the major hurdle for me was this idea of nirvana because that's like no more no more sensuality no more pleasure nothing i know theoretically it made some sense but i was like man that that's so hard to grasp, so hard to, to accept. And we think of non-enjoyment of pleasures. People look at the monk's life and they think of it as such a terrible, austere life, must be full of pain and suffering. Many people even look at meditation this way. They think of meditation as, as torture. The idea of sitting still with your eyes closed. And they make up all sorts of... I think it's just rationalizing when they say you know, how pointless it is and so on. I think what they really mean is I can't do it. It's, it's torture. It's unpleasant. It's boring. And so, so I think this idiom applies to Buddhism. The truth hurts. It applies in, in, in the sense that people think this about, about practices like Buddhism. And, I, and again, we're claiming to, to, to understand the truth. And I would say that's the way it is. People would much rather uh, wander around in, in illusion. I teach on the internet in, in, in many different arenas and one of them is virtual reality so we go in and there's the deer park and we're sitting in front of the buddha and people are coming in with such costumes men dressed up as women women not wearing clothes or very little clothes you know we got people with furry heads and and tails and wings and why we why we would rather have this is because it's, it's exactly the, what we want. We can get what we want. We can control it. You can't control reality. You can't compartmentalize reality. As I said, you can say this is good, this is bad, but you can't say let the bad not come and only the good come. In illusion, you can do that. Your illusion can be whatever you want. You go into this virtual reality and you say, I want this, I want that, I don't want this. And you know, ninety percent of the experience is exactly what you what you'd like it to be. You have to work for it. You have to pay for it. It becomes a it becomes an addiction, but you can get it. And so we we'd rather be an illusion, as we say. As we say, truth hurts. But I said it before. I'll say it again. Truth doesn't hurt. What hurts is our inability to accept the truth. Buddhism isn't a boring religion. It isn't dry. Being a monk, being a meditator isn't a painful experience. There's nothing painful about sitting still. 
What's painful is our inability to accept things for what they are. And that comes from our inability to understand things as they are. Once we understand things for what they are, we see they're not scary. They're not negative, they're not unpleasant. We see that all of that pleasure and happiness we were trying to attain and chasing after and spending so much of our effort just to get the very smallest piece of. All of that happiness could have been amplified hundreds and hundreds, thousands of times simply by coming to understand the reality in front of us. Turning this reality into heaven. Look at things as they are. We see something, that's seeing. We hear something, that's hearing. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not me, it's not mine. It's not us and them and good, right and wrong and so on. It is what it is. Right now there's experience going on every moment. Once we understand this experience and we can live with it and accept it for what it is, there's nothing anywhere at any time that can cause suffering for us. We're said to be freed, we're said to be released from bondage and released from suffering. So this is why we practice, why we torture ourselves, go through all this pain and suffering, because we realize that it's not the meditation that's causing us suffering, it's our own minds, our inability to accept this very ordinary very simple reality. The truth doesn't hurt. There's another idiom and that goes, the truth will set you free. And that's exactly what is meant by the practice of the Buddha's teaching. When you realize the truth, it will set you free. So that's the Dhamma I thought to give today. And, uh, now we'll go on to the more practical part of the evening and that's to do the meditation practice. So first we'll do mindful prostration, then walking, and then sitting.